Welcome to the Legends of the Black and Tan Coonhound, a podcast where two past breed presidents, Chad Smith and Ray Conrad, dig into the weeds of the legends of the black and tan breed and the owners and handlers behind them. Our mission is simple, to enshrine the stories of past legends and raise awareness and participation in our beloved breed organization, the American Black and Tan Coonhound Association. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we unearth stories of past black and tan legends. Okay, this is uh, part three of a three-part series with me and Ray interviewing my friend, uh, Wendell Inky Perry. Uh, This is going to wrap up our uh, Wendell Perry uh, series and uh, the next one in the coffer will be a two-parter with uh, Jerry Flippo and Steve Fat Cat Holloway. And, and those two individuals will cover uh, Princess Black Rachel, Flippo's Driving Miss Ruby, and um, Holloway's Tennessee Chigger. So uh, the Albert I'm definitely line, looking forward to that. The Albert line gets carried through. Uh, through Jerry Flippo, and then of course the Batman line gets carried through through uh, through Fat Cat uh, or Kitty Cat as they call him nowadays. So let's get to, let's get going on part three here. Um, uh, before we do, just uh, uh, as we have mentioned, uh, we have no advertisements. The only thing we ask you to do, Ray and I as past presidents, uh, we're we ask you to be a member of the Black and Tan Association. That website is abtcha.net, and on the homepage there, you'll see where it says join the association. So if you find this of interest and uh, you find best it. Best $30 you ever spent. There you go. Um, so go there and uh, and get you a membership. Maybe maybe this uh, podcast in, in some way will will spur some uh, interest in the, in the association. Wendell, we we ended on Mr. Turtle, yeah, Raging Black Horse, yeah. Uh, what uh, was there a dog out of Raging Black Horse that uh, that that you remember that caught your fancy? No, really, Chad. I I didn't I didn't follow him much. Uh, I I just don't remember anything about him other than what he did himself. You told me a story when we were going hunting one night that you, I thought Ray would find this amusing too. That uh, one night you were taking, I think you said three dogs coon hunting. It was Gillum's King, which for for those who don't know, that's uh, uh, Johnny Gillum's dog. And it's when Bruce was a kid, maybe Bruce was a baby. I don't know, but Gillum's King was the sire to brock's hobo brock's hobo was the sire to hobo's hoss so all the dark collar stuff that bruce and uh and blaze buyer that continues today so you had gillum's king in the truck you had pinewood dan in the truck and you had umphrey's mighty mini in the truck i i had i had tennessee rambler too <laughs> isn't that a what, what that's a four dog cast isn't it yeah. uh, ray 
Yeah, I, that's I, a good one. That's back, a good back, one for sure. Back then, I just usually hunted four dogs at the time. <laughs> now you 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 were going down to the Chickasaw Bottoms, I guess. Yeah. What do you remember about that hunt? Do you, does anything stick out to you? Well, I I just remember that I had a, a young friend of mine that was hunting with me, and uh, we the dogs got treed across a open field and it we got stuck and uh, i decided that the best thing to do was one of us go get the dogs and the other one go up to the bluff there and call out one of my coon hunting buddies that had a four-wheel drive truck to come down there and pull us out and uh so that's what we did the the boy said he didn't want to go up there to where uh, where the truck was because there was a, a lady that ran a country store right there on the corner where he had to turn to go up to this guy's house, and she was uh, she was kind of rough and she'd been robbed a time or two and he said he just wasn't gonna walk by that store in the dark with a light on because he's afraid she'd shoot him. I said, well, you go get the dogs and I'll go get the truck. So. When we when we got back down there, uh, he was he was back at the truck, and the dogs were still barking. And I said, Benny, why didn't you? I thought you was gonna get them dogs. He said, Man, I couldn't get them dogs. He said, When I got up there, those dogs were foaming at the mouth, and they were barking and carrying on to. I was afraid to try to t- t- catch them. I said, oh, that's just the way they tree. But anyway, we had to go back, had to walk across that field and get those dogs because he wasn't about to put a chain on them. <laughs> but uh, they all were, you know, you know what kind of tree dogs they all were. And after after they did stay treed for a long time like that, they did begin to have some lather and foam up around their mouth <laughs> they look pretty rough and sound pretty rough but they they were they weren't you know they weren't fighting among themselves they just trend <laughs> now what how did y'all get king up here i mean do you remember that story uh, i think somehow drivers had managed to uh buy what? that dog they acquired him okay. i think he did yeah i remember some of the older yearbooks where he had Ads for Gillum's King. Now yeah, that you mentioned I think it. Yeah, and he always, whenever he had something he really liked, he always sent it up here, let me go hunting with it, and see how I liked it and all that. So really, the 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 dog got a gentleman Jim that made the most impression on you is a dog that that probably doesn't get talked about. But my original dog that that all these dogs of mine are built off of was named after your dog. Uh-huh. His name was Twister. Yeah. So your Twister dog was out of Jim. Yeah. What would you call him, Perry's? Just uh, Perry's Twister. His name was a Dixie Twister Jim. Dixie Twister Jim. That was his name. All right, we've seen, uh, I don't know if you remember, right, but we've seen his papers over there now that he mentioned that, that, I've seen them papers. So, uh, what was what was his mother? You remember? Was it a shinker bread chip? No, I don't remember much about her. I, I remember her name was Fanny. She was uh, 
she really didn't have any dogs much on her papers that I knew much about. Uh, but uh, the guy's name was Jack Frost, and he lived over there in Russellville, Arkansas. And he bred. He 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 kept he when he sold Twister to uh, Jarvis, he he held out a stud fee, and he bred this dog called Fanny to him, and uh, I got I got the pup out of him, which was my little Twister dog, who was an awesome dog too, but he never was. He never was campaigned or anything. I just pleasure hunted him, but he was he was really a nice dog. Now was Old Twister a night champion? He was. He was. A, he'd already been night champion when when I got a hold of him. Uh, back at back in those days, Jarvis and Glenn Barron were partners, and they would they would go out and get by uh, any dog that they thought. <laughs> that they could buy that they thought was capable of winning the ACHA World Hunt. And they had bought Twister from Jack Frost. And the deal was, Jarvis sent him up here for me to hunt him and get him ready for the World Hunt. And the deal was, if he didn't make it into the top 20, that I could, I could buy the dog from Jarvis. And he almost made it in the top 20. Uh, he, the only thing that made him not get in it was the dog split treed on the last coon. And uh, Twister's coon was in a hole, and a little walker female's coon was on the outside. And it, we, we were neck and neck all the way. And if my coon had been out, I would have won and put him in the top 20. And that's how I got. That's how I got Twister. And Twister was di- directly out of Jim. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. Now what? Uh, what dog have you told me about that you hunted in the World Hunt and you drew out with James Merchant? That was a little dog out of Dan, my Dan dog. His name was Preacher. Preacher. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember that. So tell the listeners about that cast of. I thought it was in. It, it was a hoot. Uh, well, you know, I was kind of not much, kind of green in, in hunting. And at that time, James Merchant, he he was winning everything. And he was all in the American Cooner every month at that time. And uh, lo and behold, I drew James Merchant and two walker dogs that were in the top 20 the last year. And they were all, you know, champions and real nice dogs. And my little dog was only uh, 18, 18 months old, I believe. But anyway, we got over there and ended up over around Conway, Arkansas, out in the hills. It was a moonlight night. And uh, we turned those dogs loose, and uh, it, it wasn't but just a matter of minutes to... Uh, Baldy, that was Merchant's Baldy, was a dog he was hunting at that time who had who had won the world hunt before. And uh, he he struck a track and ran it out there just a little ways and treed. And uh, I thought, man, that dog has got such a nose 
that my little old dog can't even smell it. And uh, I'm beat before I get started. But we went out there, and darn if that dog hadn't treated a possum. Well, my dog wouldn't treat a possum. But anyway, they they put the they had they told James to put his dog on the chain, and he was out at that time. If you treat a possum, ACHA, he was automatically scratched. So we turned loose again, me and the two walkers, and uh, they got treed over there on the riverbank, and it really wasn't room enough around that tree because the backside of the tree was hanging out over the river. And, and my little dog had had a little tendency to be kind of, kind of want to face bark a little bit, and I'd been pretty rough on him about it. So I was afraid, uh, before we got to the tree, we could hear, we could hear a fight going on. But my dog was sitting back barking, and the other two walker dogs, they were, they were locked. They looked like red bones. They had, they were bloody from one end to the other, and uh, of course they scratched them both. And there I was by myself, the rest of the hunt. And uh, I had a dog that really liked to hunt by itself. And I said, you know what? I'm fishing to win this cast. So, but he got he got real upset about about that fighting and all, and when. When we turned him loose, he took off. In a little while, he, he got treed over there. And uh, <coughs> well, we started up there and was going kind of going up a hill like, and the moon was real bright. And when we got up there, I could see the, I could see the silhouette of my dog, but he was standing there with his head back treeing, but there wasn't any tree there. And I, what the gosh. Got up there and he had an armadillo laying in, kind of down in a little hole and he had his front feet on top of that armadillo and had his head back and he was telling the world about it. Well, he he never, he, he was straight. He wouldn't treat possums or skunks or stuff like that. But he, he'd never seen an armadillo. We didn't have them here in Tennessee at the time. And he was, he was, so anxious to get something done because of all that turmoil at that last tree that he just just treed the thing. That's all it was to it. And so that put my dog on the chain. So we came in with a, uh, all four dogs scratched. You, you drew the two-time world champion, and he he, he scratched too. Yeah. <laughs> we all scratched. But I, you know, if if he if he went on and treated McCoon, that's all I'd had to done, and I'd, I'd have won that thing. <laughs> if it's okay with you, Ray, I, I'm going to move along to the PCA days. Um, yes, sir. I had to kind of be quiet during these times because I'll be honest with y'all talking about stuff that that I, you know, I'm I'm like the listener. I'm just sitting here <laughs> letting this stuff soak in. You know, because a lot of it I, I don't know about. So when did, uh, I'm sure Jarvis started talking to you about him wanting to start an organization separate from ACHA, separate from UKC. What was his thinking there, Wendell, when he was pitching this thing to you? Well, I, I, I think he just uh, really wanted a different 
slant on the way things were going. Uh, he, he, his rules and all were a lot, quite a bit different in my opinion than ACHA and UKC at that time. But he, he and he really, uh, he really thought he could organize that thing and m turn out to make some real nice hunts and it would go over real big. And but he was he was needing somebody to investors to get it going. And uh, he called he called a bunch of guys uh, together that might were were coon hunting buddies and might be potential investors in the thing. And we went hunting that night. And uh, I I remember T. C. Jones, who was a blue tick man from down in Grenada, Mississippi. He was he was with us. And uh, he had a he had a dog named Rattler that was a real nice hound too, and I think it was a boy uh, named Bobby Lowe that uh, had won the Redbone ACHA World Hunt a year or two back, and he had he had some people that had won won big in ACHA and. Uh, and people that he knew had had some money to put in something like that if he could get them interested in it enough. And why he asked me down there, I don't know, because I didn't have any money to invest in nothing that while. And, uh, but they they we went to coon hunting, and I had old Jim too, by the way, and he treated three coons in a matter of minutes there. We got in some aprons, but in that... <coughs> That's where the first time I ever had talked to Jarvis or talked about him wanting to form that thing. And I could tell early on that that thing was going to be uh, kind, of, kind of a fellow that had, had some resources to put in it. To You know, it was, was going to leave the fellas with a single barrel shotgun and a carbide light kind of wasn't going to be able to follow that thing too close because it involved some money. Cause, but anyway, I, I told him right quick that I, I, I wasn't interested in it. And uh, it, there was a guy from Crawford, his name was Crawford Mims. He had married, he was a outstanding football player for Ole Miss at one time. And he had married a girl down there that her dad had a string of seven eleven quick marks, and and he hunted. He matter of fact, he had I'd been down to his farm where he had a he had a nice house and a swimming pool, and that's all he used it for was invite people to come and go coon hunting. But anyway, Crawford Mims was in on it. T. C. Jones, me. I think Dale Bowling might have been there, but anyway, that that was the first I, first I'd heard of what he what he planned to do and what he was going to try to do. And it, he had a hard time he had a hard time getting people uh, interested in it and getting them uh, to invest in it. What what his plan was he was going to sell a he was going to sell. 
interest in it to investors, and he was going to keep 51%. And that's, that's the way it all got started. I want to back up a little bit, Ray, because when he was talking, it it it, it reminded me something of, of what Wendell's told me before. Jarvis was a master promoter. I mean, that he I, I say he was top-notch. There's not many promoters that, that were in the same classification as Jarvis. But didn't he organize, Wendell, didn't you tell me bef- before all these invitational hunts, 40 years before all these invitational hunts, didn't he organize the world hunt winners to get together and go hunting somewhere in the bottoms down there? Yes, sir. He he rented a big uh, hunting cabin down there, and he invited uh, top walker dogs, top whoever had won their breed. He invited all those people down there, and uh, they had a they had a nice place. And he hired a bunch of women, and they cooked, and it, it was a dormitory like thing, and uh, they. Just go in there and go hunting and go back hunting again the second time if you want to. And then when you come in, uh, they'd have some snacks for you. But in the morning when you got up, woke up, they had breakfast cooked. And then they'd have dinner cooked and supper cooked. They had fabulous food. Yeah, he, yeah, that, he did that. There's nothing new under the sun, is it, is it Ray? Oh no! You know they, you, you know the 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 rave nowadays is these invitational hunts, and 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 while they're, you know while they're neat and all, uh, Jarvis was doing invitational hunts when most of those folks are not born or in diapers. Well, and you know what? I've told many many people in the past that, you know, most of us really and truly only know just a small portion of just how involved and, and how important Jarvis was and what happened with with dogs, not just black and tans, but lots of different dogs and, and the formation of, you know, what we now know as PKC. You know, I mean, it's crazy. Well, he, he, um, he the, the, these full throttle dogs all originated from a dog named Hubs Homer that Wendell remembers that Jarvis, didn't Jarvis and Dale own him together I think Hubs Homer I think so I think he was out of Homer's Gomer they had they had a dog named Coma Coma yeah, yeah. but let, let me go back and say some more about Jarvis's ability as a promoter at that particular hunt we were just talking about he had invited the sports writer for the Field and Stream magazine and he showed up down there and he covered that whole thing. And the next issue of Field and Stream is about two pages of that hunt and what Jarvis was doing and what he was trying to do. He he, he did it all. You got that book. Uh, you got the, that article in your scrapbook there. I, I saw it, the Field and Stream article that you were talking about. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, he had him there and... It, it rained and it was uh we had to go down a levee to get back into that clubhouse and that poor guy had he had a he came in a truck with all these uh, typewriters and all that and with a 
tamper on it, and he slid off that levee. <laughs> That's the first thing we had to do was go down there that night and rescue him. But he he was a nice guy. I, I can't remember his name right now, but he he wrote Phil and Stream back in, back in those days. Phil and Stream covered a lot of a lot of things, you know, the coon dogs and bird dogs. But old Jarvis got him. He got him down there, and he did a good job of covering it and putting it in the magazine. But that that, that point I was trying to make, Jarvis was always. He was always a promoter. He he got things done. So he called it PCA, and it was in Germantown yeah. when he started it. Because I saw in your scrapbook, I saw a Manila envelope that said Germantown. I guess that was at his home. Where yeah, that, that's after it. He, uh, soon after he, he got started that, though, he left Germantown and went down to Mississippi. Uh, How did he get to... Myrtle, or I mean, did you remember how he got there? Was it his, uh, was it his family, or was it Joyce's family, or he just find a farm down there? His family, a lot of some of his family was was there, but he was he he was wanting out of Germantown anyway, and and he 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 didn't have like eleven land there in Germantown, and there's a big old creek run through it, and his dog kennel. And all was, was across that creek, and you had to go down and cross a bridge. And he never did have a very good bridge to cross. But anyway, he he got a he. Uh, that's when Germantown was really booming, and he got enough money out of that eleven acres in that little brick house to buy two hundred and something acres down there where where he set up. That's, he 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 built a metal building down there, and that's where he housed all his computers and everything. And uh, when he got that started, but yeah, he did start it while he was still in Germantown. But it wasn't long after that he got out of there. So he had the PCA, and then he had the pro shop. He had the pro shop. He he uh, he built that for his son. To have him some kind of uh, he they at that time the, the real famous light that everybody tried to hunt with was called a raw dog, and Bob set up as a, a selling raw dog lights and repairing them in, the, in one corner of the, of the pro shop. Yeah, and they also had the dog box business too. He had the Hermitage dog box business. He was an entrepreneur, wasn't he, Ray? He sure was. I remember the uh, the old raw dog light very well in a in a blue plastic box. Yeah. You know, and it was a uh, it was a light that a lot of people. I mean, when I was a kid, I dreamed to get one of those lights. Well, you, you know? know, it was it was so much uh, better than anything we'd all ever had. Uh, I, I remember the I was at the ACHA hunt uh, over in Arkansas when the guy that developed that light brought some over there to for people to look at and try out before he went into mass productions and I got one of them and it was it was really a, a real nice light not not anything 
equal to what you got there now, Ray, but it was so much different from anything we'd had. It was well, you know, I can remember, you know, everybody got a wheat light. They thought they really had a light. Yeah. You know, that was the best light you could get. And probably the raw dog was the next step in the evolution of the modern coon hunting light. That's right. After the wheat light. Yes, that's what I um, that's what I was hunting with a wheat light when I got <coughs> my first raw dog. <laughs> right. And some people went to the night light and used yeah. the six bolt night light, but but the raw dog was much superior to that. Yeah. And uh, it was another light, Sunbeam or something. Sunburst. Like sunburst, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, that, and they started out, you know, they he's uh he's out of business now. That that yeah. gentleman, his name was Jim Gannon. Huh. And um he did the sunburst and the first one or two models that he put out actually had like an old motorcycle battery in a in a steel box, little look box that you carried on your side. That's right. Then in it then it evolved into one that, you know, had like I don't know, it went all the way around your waist, had like little always reminded me of like shotgun shell holders that had the batteries in them you know yeah. and, uh, and it, it had a place to plug in a handheld thing it, it was more oh yeah and everybody spot. loved them handheld spots oh, yeah. too they sure did that was a huge thing to get back then and and you know today's lights are on the on the brightest setting are probably 10 times brighter than a than a hand spot was back then but but you know at the time we thought it was the best thing in the world well you know the we were using a carbide light and a seven cell flashlight to shine with when when i first started hunting so you can imagine how much different that raw dog was i remember my dad telling me many times about well when i was a kid he carried the the flashlight, you know, the big long yeah. flashlight that you put the batteries in and yeah. start getting a little weak. He had a little thing to screw on it to add a cell to it, you yeah. know. Yeah, but the moment, and to make it a little brighter. But now in the dog box business, that you did say it was the heritage dog box business. Is that correct? I think that's right. Uh, yeah, uh, that that that's another story about Jarvis. He went up there and and bought that thing, and uh, he took a gooseneck trailer up there and uh, he bought everything he had all the scrap lumber and, and everything and he put it on on the back of that gooseneck trailer and he got he got as far as chattanooga i think and he broke down and ended up calling me and i had to go down there with my ton truck and haul all that crap all the way into his shop. No, Lord. I remember I told Jarvis, I, I mean, I told Jarvis, his wife, I said, well, Sanford and Son is here. It, <laughs> it, looked, like, it looked like something Sanford and Son would be hauling. <laughs> well, you know, I actually owned a couple of Heritage Dog Box way, way back in the day that, I mean, I'm sure after they got the kinks worked out and got it, got them making them pretty good. But I remember it being a pretty quality box back oh, in the yeah. day. I still got one. Yeah, Wendell. Oh. Yeah, Wendell still got one. Yeah, I I went with him. He he went he went somewhere way off up in Maine somewhere and got hooked up with some kind of uh, plywood people, and we bought that we bought the goose gooseneck trailer. 
home loaded with all that old plywood to start start his business. Oh my! Well, and you know, uh, like I say, there's so many things that Jarvis had his hands in that yeah. a lot of people just just really don't know about, and um, it's pretty cool to, to have somebody that was right there um, through it all, like yourself, Wendell, um, to to kind of expound on how things kind of went, you know, as, as it progressed. And, you know, Chad, I'm sitting here trying to think, what would have been the next step from from PCA? What was next in the evolution towards the modern PKC we have now? Well, he, um, of course, he, uh, he had his first world hunt. If I'm not mistaken, uh, it was in Jackson, Tennessee, wasn't it, Wendell? I think so. Yeah, so um, Wendell, we we should call PKC because I'm sure Wendell has one of the very first memberships, but it, it has lapsed and and he he don't have the same number. You know, uh, I'm gonna say Wendell was one of the first, you know, dozen or so that had memberships in the thing. But I remember Jarvis telling me, and Wendell's told me the same thing. There was nights where he had trouble even paying out. Yeah, he did. Where he just, he believed in it, but there was nights where he just, people, actually, I, I remember him telling me one time, people, he had to give people an IOU to, to get through it. Yeah. He struggled. Well, you know, Chad, I learned one time, been running my own business for a very long time now, and, there's one thing that sets a successful small business owner apart from everybody else. And it doesn't matter what business it is or, or what it's got to do with dogs or hunting lights or dog boxes or groceries or whatever it is. You've got to have this refuse to fail mentality. And that's what Jarvis had. He wasn't going to let it fail. No, he, that is absolutely positively correct. He had that attitude, whether it was PCA, Raw Dog, the Pro Shop, the Bog Box business, horses. Yeah, he got. He loved horses. He got big in these Paso Fino horses, and he bought some. He bought he bought a stallion that was worth a lot of money, and he started breeding them things. And not only that, he even at one time he got a bunch of old wore out tractors. And started a business of mowing the highways. He was always, he was always into something, trying to do something. Do you remember why that he changed the name, Wendell? We've never talked no, about I, that. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I really don't. I don't either. I, I don't. Well, you know, and and when he sold it, who was the first person to own it from Jarvis? It was I, it was the truck driver truck, guy, man up in Indiana. Yes, yeah, where it's actually the office is. I think his wife still works there. Ray, uh, nice nice family. His name was Larry Meeks. That's right, Larry Meeks. And, and uh, me and when me and Wendell went to the funeral, Larry was there. Larry drove down from uh, Indiana, and he was at the he was at the funeral. Sure enough. So I guess in reality, PKC's only had three owners. Is that right? Yeah. Or has there been four? No, three. No, there's three, yeah. Three. Mm-hmm. 
Jarvis. Okay. And then see, Jarvis worked with. Um, he worked Larry. with uh, Larry for years, helped him and all. Yeah, he he kind of ran the pro hunts. You know, we just started uh, the pro hunts back up, and we had one at Ripley, Tennessee, and that was the second one. Uh, a guy named Nicky Hale is uh, PKC, a national director. He he come up with the idea of restarting it. So you know Jarvis is smiling from heaven because <laughs> that was his baby. He loved the pro hunts. You know, he, he invented super stakes before – he took uh, Wendell's tell me a little bit about that. He he watched the he watched horse stake racing, didn't he? Yeah. He kind of mimicked the stake racing of of horses, the super stakes off the horse racing, and you know how the Kentucky Derby takes the three year old, and uh, he, that's the way he right. mimicked the futurity. You know when when I was a kid, futurity was a big hunt, and he that was the same idea. So when you spent you know, you, you had several things, a lot of baby hunts of pup hunts. Nowadays, you know, you don't have just a handful of pup hunts in the country anymore. Lone Star 5,000, maybe the Bear Creek Classic, and that's it. But, but Jarvis was not only instrumental in starting PCA and PKC, but starting them programs that are still in, in existence today. And, uh, of course, in February... Uh, they have the, the in, in down there at Mississippi in the Delta. They have that hundred thousand dollar hunt in in memorial of uh, of Jarvis. So so uh, we're getting pretty close on time. Um, Ray, what uh, what sticks out to you that we need to tickle his? Well, you know, memory? I think we we pretty much you know covered. I mean, there's so much you could say about Jarvis. You could talk about Jarvis for eight hours if you wanted to. I mean, he was a he was a visionary in just like just like Wendell has told us. You know, it started out dog trading, buying dogs, doing this, promoting dogs, moving dogs, uh, just whatever he could do. And and you know, Wendell's right there in the truck with him most of the time, and that's pretty awesome. And it's pretty awesome that we still got Wendell here to talk to about all this because I've learned so much just sitting and listening to Wendell tell tell his story, you know, about how this goes. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just excited about it because where coon hunting is now, you know, I grew up, I started hunting in the, in the late 60s with my dad. And, and um, you know, we didn't even know what a registered dog was. Uh, until the mid seventies, we didn't know about no registered dogs. Our, you know, we just hunted old high tan grade black and tans most times. What we was hunting, and um, you know, and it it started the same way just over in Tennessee. It just got going a little bigger over that way. Yeah, you know, and yeah, yeah you know, and, and then here's where we are today. Yeah, I, I would classify Jarvis as the Henry Ford of of the coon hunting world you know absolutely a visionary for certain yeah and uh of course without wendell as a partner some of that stuff probably would not have we've well think about this without him and tilly sitting at that uh, cafe there wouldn't have been a yeah he had never bought the dog that's right never been a gentleman jim so uh wendell what about uh let's talk about a little bit where we are today do you think we've you and i've you and i've talked about this a lot do you think that 
the, the dogs are different, of course. What's your opinion about the dogs of today? Well, Chad, like I said, there's so much difference in, in what I grew up with and what I've always hunted and what we're hunting today. I, I'm not sure that over the years, I think people like you and Ray and others have improved the breed quite a bit, uh, you know, that they, 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 the dogs are winning a lot more than they used to, and uh, I think they, as far as winning competition hunts, I think I think the breeders are on the right track. <coughs> uh, like I said, the, the the difference between what I like and what people are hunting and winning with is is different. Because I'm just basically at heart, I'm just an old pleasure hunting that likes to hear a good race and make a good tree and enjoy the sport. But I'll have to say one thing about Jarvis, too, that I hadn't said before. He was really, he really loved the black and tan dogs, even though he branched out into walkers and other things. But his... His heart stayed with those black dogs, and he did a lot to to help the breed. And I, I think I did too, but through him. But Jarvis, uh, he 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 would buy. He if he couldn't raise it, he'd buy it. He, but he kept he kept top notch black and tan hounds, and he he bred them to top notch dogs, and he he. Had, he helped improve our breed a whole lot, I think. It's something we, well, you know, something that we miss, Ray. That is, uh, that probably the no listener. Well, it may be a handful of listeners know, but Jarvis Humphreys could sing like a songbird. Yeah, he. he I would. never heard him sing in my life. Well, I I rode with him for years, and I didn't I didn't know, even though I met him through a boy they're going to church where he was but i didn't know jarvis was such a religious person he uh he was a he was he was strictly a, a religious person even though some of the things he pulled on me i questioned it time <laughs> or two. but uh no it was a long time before i realized i think we was into some conversation about religion one day sometime he said well i I believe it's religion is a private matter, and he said I don't talk about it a lot. And then I found out later that it, he he led the singing at a lot of churches. He led the singing, I think, in a big church down at Germantown. And of course, he just he was the man in that little old church over there where he where he was buried. He and all all those people over there loved him to death, and he did a lot to help the church. But I, I didn't know he was had any. I had no idea he no. could sing. Oh yeah, he he sings. That's a beautiful voice. I never heard him sing, but but he. We the at the at the funeral that that they told us, a couple of those elders were there saying, "Man, he was he had a beautiful voice." So. Oh my. Yeah. Well, he he didn't he didn't let anybody much know about it. Like I said, he said religion was private. And that's the way he kept it. Does it anything you want to add about Jarvis 
So do you feel pretty good about where we're at? Yeah, I think so. What about uh, give me a couple dogs that you that you really enjoyed over the years? Well, the ones I owned or other people's. It don't matter. Whatever, well, whatever suits you. Uh, I guess I had I had four dogs in in my life that stand out, and they were all bred real close, but. My Dan dog and a Jim dog and then Twister and Little Twister were, in my opinion, almost perfect dogs. And uh, I, nobody, not very many people have the privilege of owning that many outstanding dogs. But, I, you know, I was kind of like Jarvis's religion. I didn't blow it up, but I knew what I had. And... People knew I had them because back when I was hunting those dogs, there was somebody at my house every night wanting to go see see those dogs hunt. I, I remember one time I stopped at a little old country store right at the right at the beginning of the season when there's a lot of kitten coons, and this old boy, he was sitting over there, said, "How many coons you killed?" So I not many, four or five, I guess. And he said, "Well, I gosh, said we don't kill twenty, but what they were doing, they were treeing the tree of the sow and shooting all of them, old sow and the kittens and all. But there was some guy over there that uh, that I I knew him, but I had hadn't been around him much. But he spoke up. He said, "Man, he said you better not be." bothering that guy. I said, if you make him mad, he'll go down there and kill every coon in that bottom. <laughs> and, he, and he's got the dogs to do it. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> well, Leo, uh, Wendell has uh, been traveling with me for, I don't know, several years, and he just lives across the hill over there. And uh, I've, I've been fortunate that... Uh, I think he says that he's glad that I come into his life, but I think I'm probably glad that I come in, you know, vice versa. In other words, it's been mutual for both of us. And, of course, Corey's been along with the with us the whole time. But um, what a way to start uh, our podcasting journey, Ray. Yes, sir. We, uh, we really got something going well, just to be honest with you. And- We'll go back to talking a little bit. Jarvis Henry's legend. We just all blessed is what we are. Absolutely. And, uh, yep. and we need to keep that in mind that we're all blessed and what we're doing. And, and Abel still go enjoy. And I tell you, it makes my heart sing just like when I was out there a few weeks ago hunting with you guys to, to see Wendell still able to get out and go. You know, that's a good thing. I really, I really enjoyed myself then and look forward to the next time. Well, you know, we, we planned on going to the White River Weave, but my little buddy over here, he uh, had a, <laughs> at the pro hunt, he had an accident in the truck. So uh, that kind of, we were aiming he to He thinks come he's over. Richard Petty. He thinks he's uh, Burt Reynolds, I think. Not Richard. I think Yo, he smoke in the band. I think he's uh, jumping, jumping heels like the, like the Duke boys. But uh, Oh, Lord. Well, uh, thank you all for listening uh, as, as we've, as we said, we're just doing this to uh, bring awareness to some of these stories and then kind of encapsulate these things for the future and 
if you found this thing uh, of some benefit to you, go to the website abtcha.net. Uh, there at the homepage, you can find a spot where you can become a member. Uh, every membership uh, helps us. Uh, Ray, you want to add anything before we sign off? Yeah, thirty dollars, guys, and best thirty dollars you ever spent. I mean, get a good, great yearbook. Uh, you know this this podcast. I actually talked with the uh, president of the American Black and Tan Association today. I will be posting this link for this podcast on the association's uh, Facebook page. It's going on a link on the website, and um, and I'm getting ready to share it all across all everything I've got the ability to put it out there too. So we expect this thing to jump off pretty good, and look forward to it and. And just like Chad said, abtcha.net, please go there. That's all we're trying to do is get some membership. So please go there, hit the Join Now button, and rock on. We appreciate you. All right, guys, appreciate y'all listening. Uh, We're going to sign off for now. Uh, God bless and go black.